1: It's September 30th, 1659, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca and Ali, the Retrospectors.
0: So it was on this day the literature's most famous castaway washed up on an island where he would remain for 28 years. It was not Tom Hanks, it was Daniel Defoe's Robinson Crusoe.
1: Which makes this the first definitely fictional date from history that we've covered. We've done some, oh, it might have happened on this day, it might not, the early history of buses is confusing, but this is definitely untrue. (laughs) Robinson Crusoe (laughs) did not wash up on the 30th of September 1659. But the public, at the time the book was published, 25th of April 1719, totally thought he had done. And the book that was published was actually not called Robinson Crusoe, but the
2: full title is actually The Life and Strange Surprising Adventures of Robinson Crusoe of York, Mariner, colon, who lived 8 and 20 years all alone in an uninhabited island on the coast of America, near the mouth of the great river of Orunuk, having been cast on shore by shipwreck, wherein all the men perished (laughs) but himself, with an account how he was at last as strangely delivered by pirates, written by himself. That's the full title of the book.
0: To be fair, the novel was a very new form of literature at the time, and people really hadn't quite cracked the formula yet. I like how elements of it address questions you might have as you consider purchasing it in your bookseller, where you're thinking what, he was totally on his own on this island then? And the title saying, yes, all men perished but himself. And you're like, oh, I see. So he's alone on the island. okay. and where is the island? Tell me again more specifically. All right, I'm in.
1: (laughs) The story of Robinson Crusoe was said to be inspired by this Royal Navy man, Alexander Selkirk from Scotland, who'd spent four years as a castaway from 1704 to 1709. And his story had been much discussed at the time as a real biography, which I think partly might be why Defoe sets this story... 50 years prior to that because it's clearly inspired by it isn't it something that was in the news but it's like aha but my story happened before alexander (laughs) selkirk even though i am not real
0: (laughs) (laughs) well the crucial difference of the alexander selkirk story is that selkirk actually asked to be marooned although Mm. he did very quickly take it back he was on board a privateering (laughs) ship that was attacking spanish vessels under the kind of blessing of the royal navy and he he was, he, was, he was a veteran sailor by this point. I, th- I think he was only about twenty-seven, and he noticed that the ship was very leaky. And as they stopped to refuel on these remote islands near Chile, he told his captain, "If you don't stop and get this ship prepared, I am staying here." And the captain, who had had enough of him by this point, because apparently he was quite a difficult person, was like, "Great, haul anchor, away we go!" And he apparently waded into the water, begging to be taken back, and they they refused, and he was left with just a musket, hatchet, knife, cooking pot, Bible, bedding, and some clothes.
2: Although he did get the last laugh, because whereas he survived, that ship went down. So he was absolutely (laughs) right to try to get off
1: the thing. And ships generally went down. I mean, that's the thing that you (laughs) learn from reading Robinson Crusoe. get off a ship as soon as possible. (laughs) If you're a bit squeamish about sailing, don't. That's the moral of Robinson Crusoe. I started reading it the other night. I haven't even got to the bit where he's on the island yet, because it goes on for ages. It's an epic. It's pacey, but... Blimey it goes on you know across decades doesn't it the story and Mm. so uh, there's two years of the book where he's been enslaved off the coast of Africa which wasn't because of a shipwreck but he's had some pretty perilous maritime adventures already you'd have to really be into boating to get back on the (laughs) ship after what he's been through and yet he still does.
0: I cannot emphasize enough how they had not perfected the novel formula at this point. There was a lot of telling rather than showing going on. And I have to Mm. make a confession, which is that I thought that I had read Robinson Crusoe and on (laughs) checking my... Sources.
1: Oh, no, it wasn't the Ladybird version of Treasure Island you were talking about the other week, was it?
0: No, it wasn't, but it was a Puffin Classics version, which according to a photo I found online of the back of that edition, it says it had been lightly abridged. So I actually, as I sit here judging you guys for not having read it, I realise that I probably just read some children's version that cut out a lot of the like. And for two years before I was shipwrecked, here's everything that happened.
1: The book was a massive hit, even though it was frowned upon by the elite. This is what the literati had been warning people about if the printing presses were democratised. You know, pulpy (laughs) crowd-pleasers like this coming along and getting through four or five editions in the space of a year. In fact, by the end of 1659, Defoe had already published the sequel robinson crusoe so the book ends i did skip to the end just to see uh with what is effectively a trailer for the next one like the the end of the book is he says uh, all these things with some very surprising incidents and some new adventures of my own for 10 years more i may perhaps give a further account of hereafter (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Little time in robinson crusoe's life
1: yeah (laughs) which had incredible foresight i think for defoe to realize that the public would lap it up and want more But also for him to have waited so long to write a book like this, he was 59 when he wrote Mm. this, which astonishes me because it really feels like the voice of a younger man, partly because it's so pacey, like I said, and full of adventure and it's so spirited. And also, I think just because he'd spent years writing political pamphlets, hadn't he, Defoe? And Mm. I think he'd kind of worked out how to talk in the voice of someone else. And that's kind of what you do when you do propaganda, isn't it? Unless you really, really believe in the political cause you're writing about, you have to get into someone's head that's why it's the first novel because you're in Crusoe's head he's a proper protagonist you don't know what you think of him but you know what he is thinking it is
2: interesting all of that stuff that preceded his writing career that Defoe was so many things that in fact his Wikipedia page lists him as writer trader journalist pamphleteer and spy which is just a cool lineup of stuff (laughs) quite frankly Um, but we know him kind of as the writer bit but as you say Ollie he kind of gets to that part of his life quite late. And first he was a businessman. One of his businesses, fascinatingly, was that he was into creating perfume from civets, which I remembered sort of vaguely as being a thing that people had done. But it just made me think, oh, man, those poor civets and the stuff that they're put through, because they're also the ones that are made to eat coffee beans and then poo them out and make the most expensive coffee in the world. And they're also some secretion from one of their glands is used as a perfume I mean it's it's grim stuff but it was Well you say it's part grim. Of his it's job not grim
1: compared to what everyone smelt like in 1700. <laughs>
2: yeah, if you're improved by the smell of a dead animal then uh, <laughs> it's not the greatest advertisement for your scent.
0: <laughs> but the voice of Defoe is quite strong within the book. It's not just a story. He does I mean god he does put in a lot of moralizing and a lot of long asides on his you know sorry Robinson Crusoe's different feelings about religion and philosophy etc.
1: Actually, all that, oh, I wish I'd listened to my dad's stuff is a bit of a giveaway that an older man wrote (laughs) Mm. in. Come to think of it. (laughs) Mm.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's a political and a philosophical side to it. There's some of it that is quite, I think, interesting to us from a modern perspective. There's kind of a famous episode in the book where he sees these cannibals who've come to the island to to kill and eat their prisoners. And his first reaction is to go and kill them. And Mm. then he thinks that he doesn't have any right to do that because they don't know that what they're doing is wrong. Which is like an interesting Mm. example of the more kind of cultural relativist standpoint. But also the book is incredibly colonial in the sense that, you know, he comes to this island, he sorts everything out, he creates a little kingdom on it. And then poor old man Friday turns up, he rescues him. And then it's basically like, you know, he put my foot on his head so as to communicate that he would be my servant forever. And I taught him the word master. (laughs) (laughs)
1: but these questions about servitude and slavery were things that the public at the time were philosophically ethically weighing up weren't they and so like every one of defoe's class in britain had servants and yet many of them were opposed to slavery so that was a discussion that was being had wasn't it like where's Mm. the line and actually it's important i think that he's enslaved and it's then when he leaves Africa to try and get some slaves for himself that he's shipwrecked. I mean, there's a moralistic lesson, perhaps.
0: Mm. Yeah, and it's interesting that the character of Friday, who's a, an indigenous man who Crusoe rescues from being murdered by the cannibals, apparently there's some speculation he was based on somebody called Will, who was an indigenous crewman who was accidentally marooned on the same island as Selkirk, but much mm. later, after he was on an English ship and he was out hunting on the island and a Spanish ship started approaching, his ship fled without picking him up and he ended up being stranded there for three years until he was picked up by an English ship but he showed a very similar ingenuity to Selkirk. He used pieces of his musket barrel to turn into hooks and harpoons so he could catch fish he survived for three years so he was obviously doing the right thing but it's interesting that if that was the inspiration for Friday you know Defoe really stripped away all of the interesting things that, that Will did in order to survive to just turn him into basically a pawn of Crusoe that he can Mm. forge. He's basically creating a very kind of ideal colonialist world where you know, everyone else is a savage, so Robinson Crusoe is the moral leader, and Friday doesn't have anywhere else to go in this universe. He can't leave, he can't say, I'd actually like to take another job. Thank you very much. He's really creating this very small world where the Englishman can create this mm. benign but totally controlled kingdom.
1: Anyway, we have more thoughts on all these things with some very surprising incidents and some new adventures still to come, but I'll give you a further account of that hereafter. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow.
0: Stick of rock, cock, which I would argue is treading the line into <laughs> single entendre.
1: Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.